Well, it has been my privilege to be here this week. I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. And let me say a thank you to all of you that have provided food this week. I have been well fed, that's for sure. The Archibalds have fed me, the Baldwins have fed me, you've fed me. I've eaten after church, before church, but not during church. I thought maybe we were going to have a during church, but we we got the chips finished before we got in, so that was good. But it's been a good week for me, and I just want to say a big thank you so much for all of your kindness, your hospitality, your kind words. You all have treated me so good, and I just so much appreciate it. Well, revival's hard, isn't it? One asleep there, two asleep there. Some of you are yawning. It's been a long week. It's a good thing I've only got an hour and a half message tonight. (laughs) You all are laughing. You don't know. Some of you are laughing like, I hope he's joking. I'm glad our sister mentioned Ezekiel because that's the book I want to look at tonight. Ezekiel chapter 37. I want to look at the story that takes place in Ezekiel chapter 37. And I want us to learn a lesson. Just as God was teaching Ezekiel a lesson about how big he was and how powerful he was, and how awesome he was, we too can learn that same lesson. You know, you learn how powerful something is when you put it under a load. You know, it doesn't matter how big your truck is, if all you do is drive it on the city streets and you never pull anything with it and you never do anything with it, you really never know how strong your truck is. I meet a lot of people, they have these jacked up pickups and great big wide tires and, and they, they love to run up and down the road and rev them up and blow the black smoke. But they've never pulled a thing with it. They don't really know how powerful it is. In fact, I had a buddy of mine that he had one of those and he was showing it off and So somebody asked him to pull something, and so he hooked up to it and promptly tore the rear end right out from underneath of it. It was so fun to watch. He did not think it was as much fun as the rest of us did. So if all you have is little tiny problems, you never really know how big your God is. But it's when we face the impossibilities of life When we face the adversities of life, that's when we see how big our God is. And the beautiful thing is you will never face anything bigger than He is. And that's the beautiful thing. I can preach this about any impossibility and I don't even have to know what you're facing. And no, my God's big enough to handle it. My God's big enough to do it. So Ezekiel chapter 37, probably one of the most familiar stories in the book of Ezekiel. We're going to start at verse 1 and we're going to work our way down through the story that takes place here. Ezekiel starts out chapter 37 saying, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord. Now, 
Bible scholars don't always agree whether God literally picked him up and carried him out or if this was a vision. It doesn't matter. Let's not get all hung up over the things that don't matter. Some people, they spend hours dissecting that, whether he actually carried him or he didn't actually carry him. The truth is in what remains in the chapter. So I don't know whether he carried him out or whether this was a vision, but what God was trying to get across to him is found later on in that verse. And he set me down in the midst of a valley full of bones. Ha! How invigorating is that? And then he said, He caused me to pass by them around about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and they were very dry. There is zero potential here. You know, as, as I was out running this week, and I use running a little loosely because my times weren't necessarily running times, but I ran past a skeleton of some animal. I, I don't know what kind of animal it was. It didn't have a name tag. It was just bones. I did not stop and talk to the bones. I did not stop and do anything with the bones because they can do nothing. They're just there. They're just laying there, bleaching in the sun. There is no potential there. There is no life there. There was nothing that caused me to think, wow, that could be something great. No, it was something that was gone. Opportunity passed. Life over. No hope. It's just bleaching bones. That's exactly what Ezekiel is seeing here. A valley full of bleaching bones laying there. There's no potential. There's no hope. What a disappointing picture that must be. What a dismal picture that is. What a hopeless situation the prophet is confronted with here. There's no hope in a valley full of dry bones. What are you going to do with them? Nothing. They're just going to lay there. It was a hopeless situation. And you know what? You and I face hopeless situations in our life. If you haven't, hang on. You will before too much longer. We all face those circumstances that appear to be hopeless. We see no answer. We see no way that it will ever get resolved. We see no possibility of it ever getting better. It's hopeless. It has been hopeless. And the devil tells us it will always be hopeless. And that's exactly what Ezekiel is facing here. A valley full of bones. Now... We don't know how many bodies are there. My son is a nurse and he tells me there's over 200 bones in the human body. Now, if he's got hundreds of guys scattered through the valley, all kinds of bones. You know, if you've got 100 people and 200 bones, how many bones is that? A bunch. Because I can't do the math that fast in my head. The breakers start tripping. And I don't want to take off my shoes and start counting because you know, then it would get really ugly. There's just a bunch of them. 
There's no potential of those bodies being reunited. There is no hope. It is hopeless. It is helpless. And that's exactly what God is wanting him to see. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter the hopelessness and the helplessness of your circumstances. It matters who God is. That's what's important. But the devil will want you to look at the hopelessness of it and say there's no way. There is no way that this could ever be rectified. There is no way that this could ever be fixed. There is no way that this could ever get any better. It's always been bad and it's always going to be bad. And if the devil can get you fo focused on the hopelessness of the situation he has you beat. But what God is wanting Ezekiel to do is understand that as long as God's on the scene, there's hope. As long as God is moving, there is hope. Because notice the next verse, the question that God asked him. God asked him the question, can these bones live? What God is asking the prophet is, am I big enough for a valley full of dead, dry bones? Is my power sufficient? Is my power enough to raise these bones up and make them come alive? Are there too many bones? You know, like God could do one body, but now there's multiple bodies. There's no way. Are there too many? He's asking the prophet, have the bones laid there so long that there is no way they can ever be put back together. What God is confronting the prophet with, am I big enough for this hopeless situation that you see yourself in? And I'm asking you the same question tonight. Is God big enough for your hopeless situation? Is God big enough for what you are facing? That's the question that God is asking the prophet. And I love his response in the last part of the verse 3. Oh Lord, God, thou knowest. Ezekiel doesn't say, yeah, God, I've got a plan. Ezekiel doesn't say, yeah, I think I can handle this. Ezekiel's saying, God, only you know, because there is no possibility for me to do anything. There is no potential in me to be able to fix this. There is no power in me that can do anything. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to see God move in your hopeless situation, it has to be from Him. You and I can never handle it, but God is big enough to handle it if you'll let Him. Prophet says, God, you know. It's up to you. He is saying in faith, I believe you're big enough. He is saying in faith, I believe you have the power. He is saying in faith, I know you can handle this. Not in me, but it's in you. Oh, I'm here to tell you, God's still big enough to handle whatever it is that you are facing. And it may be that you have been facing it for years and years and years and it doesn't look any better tonight than it did years ago. But I'm here to tell you God is still big enough to handle your problem. The prophet says, oh Lord, you know. And so God says, okay, you say you believe me. Now let's put your faith to the test. You know, it's one thing to say God can. 
And it's another thing to obey God so that he can. God moves by our obedience. And our obedience is a demonstration of our faith. I can say, oh yes, he can handle it. But if he tells me what to do and I don't do it, then I am demonstrating I don't believe he can. Faith comes when I begin to put in action what God is telling me to do. I meet a lot of people that say with their mouth, but when God begins to tell them to get busy and start doing, they say, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I just want you to do everything. That's not faith. Faith is believing that God can and you will do because you believe you put feet to your faith. I'm here to tell you, if you don't mind God, you are in essence saying God isn't big enough. If you don't do what God tells you to do, you are in essence saying God can't handle my problem. But if you believe God can, then you will do what God says to do. Faith is demonstrated by our obedience. Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say Brother, Brother Baldwin is out in the middle of the road. He's out in the road and, and there's a big bull coming. I don't know if it's Black Angus or Purple Striped or what kind. I'm not a cattleman, so we're just going to say the generic term, bull. A bull is headed his direction. And I holler at him and say, Brother Baldwin, get out of the way. There's a bull coming. And he turns and looks at me and says, Yep, brother, I believe you. Yeah. And he stays right in the road and the bull runs right over him. Did he believe me? No. Didn't matter what he said. He didn't believe me. And the way I know it is because he didn't move. But if I tell him, Hey, there's a bull coming. And he starts running for higher ground. I know he really believes me because of his action. We can say all day, we can sit in church and say all day long, we believe God. But where the real test of faith comes is out there when God tells you to start doing, are you going to obey him? Because if you don't obey him, you are not believing him. Our faith is demonstrated by our action. The book of James points this out. James says, you talk about your faith. I'll show you my faith by my works, by my actions, by what I do. So I'm here to tell you, our faith is demonstrated by our obedience to God. Stories told many years ago stretched across Niagara Falls. I've been to Niagara Falls, and that's a lot of water. Man, that's a lot of water. Big Niagara Falls, and there was a tightrope walker that stretched a cable across Niagara Falls, and he told everybody, I'm going to walk across the tightrope from one end to the other. Do you believe that I can do it? And the crowd was like, yeah, we know you can. And so sure enough, he got on the tightrope and he walked all the way across and then he turned around and came all the way back. And the people were just astounded. Then he asked the crowd, do you believe I can push a wheelbarrow across and walk the tightrope? 
And the people are like, yes, you can do it. And so sure enough, he went all the way across and all the way back pushing a wheelbarrow. And then he said, do you believe I can push a man in the wheelbarrow across the tightrope? And all the crowd says, yes, you can do it. He said, okay, who's going to volunteer? Uh, well, I believe you can. One guy got in the wheelbarrow. Who of the crowd believed that he could? One guy. And he pushed him across and he brought him back. That one man put his faith in action. We can sit in church all day long and say God can. But are we willing to do what he says to do? That's what demonstrates our faith. That's what demonstrates that we really believe God. Because what God tells the prophet to do doesn't make a bit of sense. Because notice what he says for him to do in verse 4. He says, prophesy unto these bones. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I did not stand out there and preach to the little skeleton out there because it, 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 that, that, if I, if I did that, I think what would happen is they'd get me a little coat, you know, a white coat that, that holds and it ties in the back and, you know, they, they take me away to some pad and say, you don't prophesy to bones. You know, too many times we're arguing with God on how to handle our problem instead of doing what God tells us to do. God isn't asking you to understand Him. He's asking you to obey Him. You may never understand what God's asking you to do, but you can do what God is telling you to do. And too often, we want to make sure we fully understand. Well, I'm here to tell you, fully understanding doesn't require much faith. It's when we don't understand and we do it anyway that that demonstrates I believe God's big enough for the problem. God says prophesy to the bones. So what did the prophet do? He prophesied to the bones. And God began to work Oh, I'm here to tell you, if you'll do what God says, and you'll mind God, and you'll trust God, and you'll believe God, God will begin to work in your impossibility. You may not see anything at first, but I promise you, God will begin to work in your impossibility. He prophesied to the bones and said, all right now, come on y'all, get back together. Now I'm not quoting from the King James here. Or the Navajo Bible here. I'm just telling you the story. God said, all right, let's get back together. And bones began to move. I'm here to tell you, I've not seen bones move. And I would be very hesitant if bones moved. Let me take that back. One time I did. I was out in the woods and a bone began to move. Just a little bone began to move. There was an ant carrying it. But there's no ants here. It's God's power. And the bones begin to move. I'm here to tell you, there is no situation so beyond hope 
so beyond help that what God cannot begin to move that situation. But one of the things that thrills me about this is in verse 7. Notice, I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. That just wowed me. God wasn't just throwing random bones together. He knew what leg bone belonged with what hip bone, and he moved it from there to here. He didn't just plug any old bone in. He put them back together the way they were supposed to be. I'm here to tell you, God can move and work when you can't even find all of the parts. God knows where they are and can put them back together. Wow, that just thrilled me. Because how are you going to know what bone belongs to what bone? If I scattered a dozen bones off a horse out there, you might be able to reassemble it, but how do you know what bone went to what bone? Did that come off this horse or did that come off that horse? Is this a brown horse or a white horse? You would have no way of knowing. And you see, we will never know how to get all the pieces back together, but our Heavenly Father knows where all the pieces are and He knows how to put them back together. Oh, I'm so glad I've got a God that can put the pieces back together when I can't even find all of the pieces. My God knows where they are and He puts them back together. You may be looking at a situation now and you don't even know what the solution is. You cannot see what the possibilities could ever be. Trust God. He knows what needs to happen. And He'll put it back together as He sees it needs. Oh, I read that and that just thrilled my soul. My God's not up in heaven just plugging stuff in, hoping for the best. God knows where every piece goes. And He put them back together. Those bones all fit back together. Then the flesh began to come on them and the sinews and the, the thingies and the what's-its and I don't even know what the terms are for those things. But He put it all back together. And now... There's a mighty army, but they're not alive. They're, they're just corpses, just bodies, no life. You know, some of us would be tempted to say, you know what, that's good enough. It's better than it used to be, so that's good enough. No, my friends, that's not what God wants. God wants to put it back together completely, alive, like he said it was supposed to be. Remember he asked him, can these bones live? Not just reassemble. Live. So in verse 9, God tells him again to prophesy. This time he prophesied to the wind. That word wind in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is the same word that is also translated spirit. And it thrills me because I don't think that's an accident. Because I'm here to tell you the breath of life is the Holy Spirit. He's what brings the breath of life. Oh, I'm here to tell you if we'll 
allow the Holy Spirit to work in our circumstance and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our impossibility, God will move in a way beyond what we could ever think. And he prophesied to the wind and the wind came and breath came into them and life came into them. And notice it said they were a mighty army. Oh, I'm thrilled to know that God can still do it. But why did God do it? Verse 13 tells us, and you will know that I am the Lord. I'm God. There is no impossibility with me. I'm God. There is nothing I cannot do. Oh, I'm here to tell you, when God speaks into and moves on behalf of your impossibility and puts it all back together, we stand back in awe and give Him glory and praise. And everyone that knows what the impossibility was steps back and says, only God could have done that. Oh, I'm here to tell you, God can still get glory through your impossibility. If you'll trust Him, you'll do what He says, You'll obey Him completely. God will move on your impossibility. Let me ask you tonight. Is God big enough for your impossibility? Is He big enough for your impossibility? Oh, the devil jumps in front of us and says, there is no way. (laughs) I'm here to tell you, there is a way. It's God. That's the way. But there's our part too. You see, we want God to just do it and while we sit here in our recliner and do nothing. No, there's our obedience that is a part of it. But if you'll believe God and mind God and do what God says, God will move on your impossibility. Oh, I'm glad the God that I serve is still alive and moving in impossible circumstances. I'm glad for that. That wanted to be, that that needed to be my closing challenge to you. I guess I've known I was going to preach this one the last night before I ever got here. But I just want to encourage you. God knows your impossibility. God's working in your impossibility. And God can get it all fixed up. If you'll just keep trusting Him, keep minding Him, keep believing Him, it'll all come right in the end. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for Your Word. It gives us such beautiful illustrations. Father, we don't know the impossibilities that these good people have been facing and are facing, but we know You know And we know tonight you are already at work changing the impossibility into the done. Father, I pray that you would help them. Bless these good people. Bless the Archbalds and the Baldwins as they minister here. Would you just bless them in a special way? And Father, for what you do, we'll ever praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for all of your kindness. May the Lord richly bless you. You are dismissed.